0: We're so glad that you're here. Thank you. We're in a series called Moving from Good to Great. We are in week number 10. We've been in this series going through the book of Joshua. And uh, we've got one more message. Next week, we're going to finalize week number 11, What happens to be um, our, our anniversary Sunday next week. And the program, it says 14-year anniversary and uh, this past week, after we printed the pro- program, I realized, no, we, we skip a year. You know, it's actually 13 years. And uh, so we are celebrating 13-year anniversary, and uh, next Sunday, we'll be a, we'll be a teenager. That, that's right. We'll, Late Point Church will be a teen, a teenager. I remember when Late Point Church was terrible too and uh, it, was, it, it was something else. Um, anyway, it wasn't that bad. Uh, anyway, but listen, it's exciting to be in this series and we're going to look forward to wrapping this up next Sunday. Um, moving from good to great. And that's what we see here in the book of Joshua. How they went from the wilderness, Was is the picture of just going through the motions of Christianity. You know, just kind of checking off the checklist. I went to church. You know, at least two times a week, uh, two times a month. You know, I read my Bible here and there. You know, you, you, you're casually just doing the Christian stuff. You're, you're a father of Christ. I'm not denying that. If you're in a wilderness, you have a relationship with Christ. You're just not growing in your relationship with Christ. And we kind of started off this year with the series. You said, "No, my goal, and my prayer for each and every one of us is that, that you will move from that that." type of Christianity that's going through the motions, uh, where you can step into spiritual greatness. Uh, And and that's that's my prayer for each and every one of us here. And and it's an intentional step, you know, it it just doesn't happen. There are things you have to do intentionally to take those steps. And that's what we see in the Israelites. There were things that they had to do to be intentional to go from the wilderness to the Promised Land. And the Promised Land, if you've been in this series, is the picture of the victorious Christian life. And what divided the, the wilderness from the Promised Land was a river called the Jordan River. And, 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 and that was the, the faith decision that they had to take to go from good to great. The faith steps. That you and I have to constantly take in our lives to keep growing in our walk with Christ. We have to take those steps. We have to constantly cross the river Jordan in our lives, and, and, and so this is where we're at. Okay, in chapter twenty-two is where we're landing today. So I look at chapter twenty-two, and in chapter twenty-two, um, you know, we kind of see a uh, what Joshua had been kind of dividing. The, the the land of the promised land. In fact, um, chapter fourteen to chapter twenty-two, it, it, you know, that was really exciting to read. Until chapter fourteen, it get kind of slow. You know, it's all about okay for the this tribe. This is your land. Here's your marker. It's from here to here to here and there, you got to take this land. This is your land. And then the next chapter will be about another tribe. Okay, this is your land. And so it's all about territories and it's and, and, and so kind of a slower read in the book of Joshua. And, uh, and so, but we get to chapter 22, and Joshua is still doing this conversation, having a conversation about the different tribes and about the different land. Now, one other thing before we jump into this it's been it's seven years now since they crossed the Jordan River, seven years that they've been in battle, fighting, and war uh, in the conquest of Canaan, the conquest of the Promised Land. So seven years, and and things are settling down a little bit. There's still work to do, but it's not, you know, hey, you go into different areas, you got to still keep working, you got to still keep cleaning out, keep getting rid of the enemy, you know, but we're not going to be united like we were before. We're all going to be kind of, you know, doing your own things in, in each different areas of the promised land. All right? And so it's been seven long years, a seven year battle, seven year war, so to speak. And so we jump into chapter 22, and we see a conversation that Joshua had with two and a half tribes the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Reuben, and the tribe, and the half tribe of Manasseh. And so we picked this up in Joshua chapter 22 and verse number one. Joshua called those, those tribes together. Verse number two, he told them, You have done as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you have obeyed every order I've given you. During all this time, you have not deserted the other tribes. You have been careful to obey the commands of the Lord your God right up to the present day. So let me give you a quick backstory of what happened in here. Before the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. You now, seven years late, past seven years, you know, they were with Moses. And they were getting ready for we hey, were getting preparation to cross the Jordan River. And Dad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh went to Moses and said, listen, we we are excited about everyone going to the Promised Land. We're excited about what what's there, but we like this side of the Jordan River. We like the West Side. We want to be West Side people. Okay, we want to live here because the land is great for uh for for livestock, horses, and cows, and and it's fertile land, and, and, and so we like to stay here. And you see this by the way, in Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 13. And and, and Moses, you know, Moses at first was kind of like, wait a minute, no way, no. No, we're all in this together. You're going to go over to the promised land, and you're going to fight. And and, and the two and a half tribes, the, the men were like, listen, Moses, we hear you, and we are willing to do that. We are willing to go and say goodbye to our families, to our wives and our children, and we're willing to to pick up the sword and to fight along with everybody else, as long, as long as it takes, we're willing. And so Moses is like, okay, okay, I hear you, alright, that, that's a good deal. You guys fight the war however long it takes, and then when the war is over, then you guys can go home and, and, and to your family, and you guys can claim the land on the west side of of the Jordan River. And so the deal was made, everybody was happy, and so that's kind of the backstory, story, all right? And so this is Joshua seven years into the promised land, verse number, four, no, verse number four now. Joshua said, now the Lord your God has given the other tribes rest as he promised them, all right? It was over. So go back home to the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you as your possession on the east side of the Jordan River. But be very careful to obey all the commands and instructions that that Moses gave to you. Love the Lord your God, walk in all His ways, obey His commands, hold firmly to Him, and serve Him with all your heart and all your soul. And so Joshua blessed them and he sent them away, and they went home. And seven years was over. And, and so Joshua said, You can go home. You're you blessed. And, and he blessed them. He blessed them on the way out. He tells them, Hey, stay faithful to God, obey him, serve him. And, 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 and the next few verses, we're not going to read them, but Joshua basically loads them up with treasures. And more life thoughts. and all the things that they plundered in the conquest of the Promised Land—it just really blessed the sass out of them. And so "You guys go home to your family. Well done. Thank you for serving. Thank you for being faithful to the, to all of us. Thank you for being, uh, you know, comp, you know uh, 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 partners here and and, and 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 fighting this war." Now, they go home. And this is where our story just kind of takes a crazy left turn. We we look in verse number 10, but while they were still in Canaan, when they came to a place called Gileath near the Jordan River, they haven't crossed yet, before they crossed the Jordan River, the men of of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they stopped to build a large and imposing altar, a huge altar. And the rest of Israel, verse eleven, heard that the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh had built an altar at Gileath at the edge of the canon of the land of Canaan, on the west side of the Jordan River. And then the Bible says. And the whole community of Israel gathered at Shiloh. By the way, Shiloh was the capital. Before there was Jerusalem, it was Shiloh. This was where the, the tabernacle was. And, and so the, the whole community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and prepared to go to war against them. Now, now what just happened here? For for seven years, right? They have been fighting together as one nation, one army, one family. The two and a half tribes said, we're going home. Joshua said, okay, go home. We'll bless you on the way out. On the way home, they stop and build this altar. And all of a sudden, the nine and a half tribes, they all get together and say, let's go kill them. Let's get rid of them. It's go time. (laughs) You know, and and, and I'm sure you're like, "What, what, what? What's the, what the deal here? What happened? What did I miss? It, it, it's like when I, when I watch TV sometime at night. And, and I'm watching a show. You know, my wife watching the show. You know, because it's happened more to her than to me. And, I, and we're watching something and, and she nods off for about ten minutes. And I just keep watching the show. I don't pause the show. I mean, I mean I, you know, it's her fault for falling asleep. And, and, and then she'll wake up about 10 minutes later and she's like, what's it, what did I miss? What, I said, you know, uh, I, I, I said, well, you fell asleep for about 10 minutes. And I said, well, who's that person? And what, what's going on here? What just happened? And I said, you know, thankfully, today we can rewind. So I, I have to repeat 10 minutes of my life again, but, you know, for her, i do it, right? And so we, we go back. Right? Now, back in the old days, before DVR, you know, if that happened, uh, you were kind of stuck with, well, I don't know, you know, you just have to kind of figure this out, and, and, and so this is, it feels like right here, right, that we kind of pressed the snooze button here on in scripture, and we're just like, what, what did I miss? What, 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 what happened here? What, 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 what's going on? All of a sudden, you know, the the, the one big happy family, everyone's great, everyone's high fiving each other, they got presents to go home. They, they, they build an altar and all of a sudden everyone's mad and like, oh we got to go kill them! What, 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 what happened? We we'll, we'll pick up the story, verse number 13, and we we'll kind of see the, where the conflict is really happening here. First, they sent a delegation led by Phineas, not the guy from Phineas and Ferb. Okay, you know, the, you know, this is a this is real person. Okay, and this is the this is the man of God. He's the priest. He is the priest. All right, and, and so they sent a delegation led by Phineas, the priest, to talk with the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So Phineas, he, he brings up the the, 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 the guys on the, on the other side of Jordan and says, listen, we're, we're going to go confront Gad. Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh. So, the, so so here we got Phineas and a man from each tribe, so ten men. And they come over to meet with them. They come to have a they have a come to Jesus meeting. All right, and so verse 15, when they arrived in the land of Gilead, they said to the tribes of Reuben, Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. The whole community of the Lord demands to know why you are betraying the God of Israel. How could you turn away from the Lord? And how dare you build an altar for yourselves and rebellion against him? What, what are y'all thinking? And so there's this assumption that Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh had built this altar to a new God or, or, to, or a different form of worship that violates the laws of God. And they thought, well, we'll just do, we'll, we'll worship God in our own way or we'll worship a new God. And so they're down, they're, they're, you know, the nine and a half tribes said, you guys are going down a very slippery slope here. You know, what, what's happening here? Verse number 17. Was our sin at Peor not enough? Peor is a, a story that happened in Numbers chapter twenty five. You want to write that down. Numbers twenty five. Again, this was before the promised land. This was when Moses was alive. Uh, they were in the wilderness, getting ready to, to take the promised land. And while they, you know, they were camping out. Not too far from the promised land. You know, they were kind of camping out, and they and some of the Israelite men noticed uh, some of the Moabite women, the Moabite you know, foreigners that were not of the Israel camp. And uh, they were uh, sinful they were committing sin. They were they were inviting them to say, Hey, why don't you have sexual relations with us? And and and, and the Israelite men said, okay, hey, these 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 uh, Moabite women are hot, and they've got no morals. Let's go over there and let's commit sin with them. And, and of course, God came down and said, what are you guys doing? I'm giving you the promised land, and you're acting on your lust. And so right there on that day, 24,000 Israelites, God gave a plague, and 24,000 Israelites died, the wrath of God, because of the sin at Peor. Uh, and so, you know, you got this black stain uh, that's very fresh on the, the mind of the Israelites and the delegation. They're like, hey, was, verse 17, was our sin at Pure not enough? Have you all forgotten? He said, to this day, we are not fully cleansed of it. In other words, there, there's still people that sick from the plague. 24,000 died, but there's so many more that are still dealing with the aftermath of the, of the sin. And it's been years, you know, he said in verse 18, and yet today, you're turning away from following the Lord. If you rebel against the Lord today, huh, he will be angry with all of us, not with just you guys, but it can affect us. It, it's going to ruin us. And then he said in verse number 19, they say, listen, I'm sorry, verse number 20, they brought up the, the story of Achan. We did a sermon. A message earlier in the series about Achan. They said in verse 20, didn't divine anger fall on the entire community of Israel when Achan, a member of the clan of Zerah, when he sinned by stealing the things set apart for the Lord? He was not the only one who died because of his sin. So they're like, hey, remember 14 chapters ago? 14 chapters ago. I mean, remember when when Achan put you know, took the the devoted things, he stole from God the devoted things that belonged to Him, and 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 we went to battle. We went to battle against the little town of Ai. We thought we were going to beat them up. We sent the JV team to go take care of Ai, and uh, we got we got blown out of the water. We had men that died because of the sin of Achan. Don't y'all remember this? And so, guys, listen. You, 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 Y'all tone up here a little bit. You built this altar. You guys, you know, been blessed by us. We sent you home and you built this altar. What, what were y'all thinking? What, what's the matter with you guys?" And, 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 I, and I love the response that we see from the two and a half tribes. Verse number 21. The, the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered the heads of the clans of Israel. The Lord, the mighty one, is God. The Lord, the mighty one, he is God. He knows the truth. And may Israel know it too. We have not built the altar in treacherous rebellion against the Lord. If that's so, if we have done so, then don't spare our lives today. I mean, just take us out. If we have built an altar for ourselves, to turn away from the Lord, or to, burn, or to offer burnt offerings, or grain offerings, or peace offerings. May the Lord himself punish us, because we're violating the, the, the worship laws. He said the truth, here's why we built this altar, here's the truth. We have built this altar because we fear that in the future, not now, but in the future, your descendant will say to our descendant, your children and grandchildren and great, you know, go on and on and on. We'll forget about this arrangement. They're going to forget that we're one nation. We're afraid that this Jordan River is going to be a, a, a dividing line and that we're going to be separated. We're not worried about that now. We built this altar as a reminder for future generations. You see this. It says uh, back in 24, the truth is we built this altar because we fear that in the future your descendant will say to ours, what right do you have to worship the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has placed the Jordan River as a barrier between your people, between our people and you people of Reuben and Gad. You have no claim to the Lord. So your descendant may prevent our descendant from worshiping to my Lord. He said that, that's why we built this altar. We, just, we want this altar. What we see in, in the chapter that altar was called witness. This was to be a memorial. We see it's a memorial. So we decided in verse number twenty-six, we decided to build the altar not for burnt offerings or sacrifices, but as a memorial. It's a reminder for our descendants, and your descendants, that we too have the right to worship the Lord at his sanctuary, with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and peace offerings. We're not doing it at this altar. We are doing. We want this to be a reminder that, hey, wherever the tabernacle is on the other side of the river, we have the right to be there too. And, 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 and the delegation, you know, they the came there and they said, hey, we're about to kill you. You guys just said no, 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 no. We're not building this altar for the reason that you think we're building the altar for. And after he explained to Phineas and the ten men, everyone was like, "Oh, oh!" Then you know, it got very tense, and all of a sudden the tension went away. Oh, you ever had those moments where, man, you, you thought something was, you thought this was the, the case, the truth? You, you, you got all the fat, that you think you got all the facts, and you get into that conversation, I mean, you're, you're <laughs> you know, you're ready to go. It's go time, right? It's go time, all right? And you go in, and uh, and you start talking, and, and the more that you talk, the more you're like, oh, I missed that part. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Oh, okay. And all of a sudden, the fish becomes, oh, I love you, you know. <laughs> we're, we're one happy family. And that's exactly what happened here. In fact, we see this in verse number 30. When Phineas, the priest, and the leaders of the community, the heads of the clans of Israel, when the heard this from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they were satisfied. The Bible said they went back and told everybody, said, hey, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Hey, put, your, put your weapons down. We're not going to go kill our our brothers and sisters on the other side of the river. We are all good. what a story. An almost oops happened in the history of Israel. And almost, you know, wiping out two and a half of their tribes. All because of a complete misunderstanding. I want to talk about conflict today. Because here's what I know. When you go from good to great, the devil, a spiritual enemy, he wants to mess it all up. You see, the devil doesn't care if you're just floundering around. This is where he wants you. You know, he doesn't want you to be on fire for God. He doesn't want you to be on fire for Jesus, telling people about Jesus, obeying him, you know, just being casual when you go to church. This is where the devil wants you to live. He gets frustrated and gets angry when Christians, when churches move from good to great. And when he sees churches, when he sees families, when he sees individuals moving in the the promised land of their life, Satan can do whatever he can to disrupt the movement that God is working in your heart and working in our lives. He will find a way to create a, create a wedge, a division, and to pull you back into a place of mediocrity. This is what he wants. We've got to deal with conflicts. We've got to deal with conflicts in the promised land. We have to deal with it. I want to give us some lessons here on how we can handle conflict in our lives. So take a note with humility. Seek to understand the other person's perspective. We've got to have humble hearts. Humble hearts. I love that the when the, the tribes of Israel, when they when they came in to the delegation, when they cross over, before jumping to all the conclusions and, and chopping heads off, uh, they they humbled themselves and said, "Okay, we're here to listen." You know, this, we're here to we're here to. To see what you have to say. They had humility to listen to the other party's perspective. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. The apostle Paul said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. Paul said that what they approach conflicts with a sense of humility. What what if we focus in a conflict, We're looking within ourselves and say, God, what work do I need to do in my life? What work do I need to change? What, what where In this situation, in this conflict, am am I wrong? And and come with humility. Deal with yourself. Deal with your ego. Now most arguments, most arguments, conflict starts because I'm right. And you're right. We have our ground and you're standing on your ground. And it starts because it's about me, my ego. Someone told me this morning after this first service, you know, ego, it stands, it's an acronym, Easing God Out. I love that. That's what ego is, Easing God Out. What, what if we bring God back into the equation with our confidence? Number two, got to communicate clearly and directly. Be direct and clear in your communication. Uh, what the delegation, they came over for that come to Jesus meeting and they directly communicated their concerns about the altar. They didn't even beat around the bush. They weren't passive aggressive. They went, hey, w- w- we want to deal with this. And they dealt with it. They dealt with it. If you have an issue with someone, it's important to communicate clearly and directly with them. By the way, I would tell people in a conflict don't say you point, you did this. You've done this. But rather say, "I feel." I feel. Approach the conference that I feel betrayed. I feel disrespected. I feel dismissed. I feel. And if you're if you're on the receiving of, receiving end of that, you need to listen to that. Listen to the feeling of the person that's talking to you. Feeling. I feel. And that can help each other understand where you're coming from and makes it easier to find a peaceful resolution. Number three, avoid making assumptions. I mean, that's the whole problem here, right? They made some assumptions. And uh, and, and so, uh, thankfully, they were able to have a conversation. What if they didn't? What if they just assume? Oh, they did this. We're going over there, and we're chopping heads off. (laughs) You know that would have been terrible. You know, thankfully they were able to have that conversation. And so we have to be careful, you know, not to make assumptions, but to listen. Go back to that listening, the listening to each other. Number four, we gotta seek a peaceful resolution. Look for a peaceful resolution. Thankfully, these these tribes got together and they found a peaceful resolution out of this whole mess. Bible says in Romans chapter twelve, verse eighteen, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible. May not always be possible, but you know, it takes two to tango, right? You do everything on your end. You do your part to try to create the peaceful solution. You come with the uh, with a humble heart. You you you, you communicate clearly and directly. Uh, you know, you, you come a, you, you come with that attitude, with that mindset. You do your part. You pray for the other person to come to the table. their part. And you aim for a peaceful resolution. We should strive for it no matter what, no matter how tough it is. We should aim for it. We should go for peace. I want us, as we kind of close out, I want to let the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 speak to our hearts. Verse number 26, in your anger do not sin. Control your anger. Control your anger. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't, don't, don't let the conflict build up. Because the longer, the longer you drag it out, the harder it is to deal with it. I call it the, the elephant in the room principle elephant in the room. Think about the elephant in the room right now in your family, at work. Think about it. At one point, that elephant in the room was a baby elephant. It, 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 you know, it, it bothered you, but not enough to deal with it. And think what happened. That elephant, you know, by the way, sometimes we think the elephant will find its way out the door. Elephant never find its way out the door on their own. Because once you provide a place for the elephant to sit in your family room, it's gonna sit. And it won't leave on its own. And so the elephant is small, it might be a little cute, it's something like I can tolerate. But here's what you need to know about elephants. Baby elephants don't stay baby for, for very long. Baby elephants get big and bigger. And bigger and it gets harder and harder and harder to get the elephant out of the room because it's big. Here's the other thing about elephant. The bigger it gets, the smellier it gets. All right, you, you can deal with a baby elephant deposit because it's a baby sized deposit. Not a big deal. It's okay, I can deal with this. But the bigger the elephant, you don't want to go there because it stinks the high heaven. And you've let that conflict brood over time, and now you've created a monster. That's why I say, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Nip it in the bud. Get rid of that baby elephant. The baby elephant's easier to kick out than a big old stinky elephant. You've got to deal with it. The Bible, Bible said, do not let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not. Verse number 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. Oh, we're back to the devil now. It's so important. Because when you allow that sin, when you allow that elephant to grow on you, to grow in your house, to grow at work, in your relationships, you know, the devil, he, he starts to, you know, put a foothold in your life. Now, this idea of foothold, some of us, we've heard sermons on foothold. And, know, uh, we think, okay, you know, we're, we're letting him climb on us. You know, we got a little crevice in our lives and he got his foot in us and uh, he's walking all over us. But the word foothold in the original language is the word tapas. It means a room. It's much bigger than a little crevice in our lives. It's a room. What, What Paul's saying is don't give the devil a room in your life. Don't let him have access in your life because once he's in your life, once you start building it, he, he, he will live there. And he will, he will create a, a, a mess and, and, a, and a bigger crisis than ever before. That's what the devil, that's what, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to divide and conquer. Don't let it have a room in your life. Don't let the devil have a room in your marriage. Don't let the devil have a room in your family at work. Don't let the devil have a room at the church. Don't let them have it. Verse number 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Oh man, when we when we have those conflict, be careful with our words. Because once those words are spoken, they can't, be, they can't be taken back. Be careful, use words that build each other up. Verse number 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. But instead, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Justice in Christ, God forgave you. Conflicts. I'm going to give you six quick tips Scott tips. I think my help be helpful in, in your conflicts, in your relationship. Ready? Number one, never call names. Never call names. No reason, no excuse to dishonor or to tear anybody down. And that's the second tip. Never raise your voice. You know, you know what I've learned? No one has ever been changed by someone who's jealous. No one is ever changed by yelling. People are changed when you're loving in your voice, when you're loving. By the way, if you're sending a text message or you're commenting online, don't use capital letters, because all I hear is yelling. Stop yelling at me, okay? All right? Lowercase is loving. Can y'all agree? Lowercase is loving. All, All caps. All caps. You're probably just going to hell. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying. It, you know, there's forgiveness at the cross, by the way. But you know, come on. Don't yell. Don't raise your voice. Number three, don't get hysterical. Never get hysterical. Remove the drama. Eliminate the drama. Number four, hit the fourth tip. Never get historical. Don't bring up the past. Stay in the present. Number five. Never say never or always. Never say never or never say always because that's just not true. It's not helpful. You, you never or you always. No, that's not true. Maybe a lot of times, but not never or always. Then the most important rule is this. Never quote your pastor during a fight. <laughs> don't, don't go there, please. Just leave me out of it. Just leave me out of it, okay? I know my quotes are sometimes good, but just please don't quote me in a fight, okay? That's all I'm saying. All right, listen, conflicts are happen. It's going to happen. Conflicts are inevitable. Conflicts, if you're taking notes, being offended, being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's going to happen before you leave. Take a chance, it might happen when you're on the road, on your home. It might happen when you're at the restaurant. It might happen when you open up the news app. Being offended is going to happen. However, living offended is a choice. It's a choice. Being offended is going to interrupt your movement from good to great. We're going to get offended all the time in the promised land. That's how you deal with it. How you deal with it. I hope that you pray. I hope you pray. Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. And maybe in the conflict, before you get into conflict, before you handle it, before you go, go to that person, you pray, God, judge me and know my heart. Touch and know my interest thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me, oh God, in the way of everlasting. Who do you need to talk to this week? What conflict, what elephant that you need to get rid of? Because it's holding you back from the place that God wants to take you. You got to deal with the conflicts. That's what life is. Don't learn from the conflicts. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal the way the Lord wants you to deal with it. I promise you, you will grow through it. And you will come out on the other side. And yes, the other person, the other party may not respond, but you do your part for the glory of God. Oh, search my heart, God. God, show me where I'm arrogant. Oh, God, show me where I'm judgmental. God, show me where I am self-deceived. God, show me where I'm harboring anger against a, a, a group of people or an individual. Oh, God, show me where I'm not being kind. God, show me why I'm not being compassionate. God, show me where I'm not being forgiven. Oh, God, help me to get rid of all anger and slander and malice in my life. God, help me to be kind. Help me to be compassionate. Oh, God. Help me because I don't want to give the devil a foothold, a room, access to me, my family, my marriage, at work, and at church. I don't want to give the devil a foothold. Oh God, oh God, search my heart today. Church me, oh God. Our oh, Heavenly Father, we ask that you help us today. Help us to see where we're wrong. God, help us to lead the way in conflict resolution where we can aim for peace. God, help us to be humbled. God, to me, that's the biggest lesson in all of this, it's humility. God, you gave your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. We have offended him in every way with all of our sins, the sins of the world. But he overlooked our fault and died on the cross and forgave us. Oh God, help us with the power of Christ in us to forgive others, to not live offended, but God help us to make the choice not to live a life of offended, but help us to live a life of peace. God, I don't know what elephants in the room that we need to deal with. Maybe there's an elephant here in our church family. God, maybe there's an elephant in our marriage. Maybe there's an elephant with our kids at work. God, I pray that you will help us this week. Don't let the devil have a foothold, a room in our life so that we can go to the place where you want us to go. In Jesus' name, amen.